Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Lady Whisper Perfumed Intimate Lady Wipes. Wash your worries away with your new Lady Whisper Wipes. Shh! Your freshness will never be a secret. Warning, not suitable for polishing counters. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hurrah! <laughs> I... I think one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast is the sponsor gags. <laughs> it's basically a comedy podcast with a bunch of fluff co- at the end of it, maybe. <laughs> and we talk about a show that no one's ever heard of, except you find people. Hello, Unanimous. So. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, hello, hello. How's everything going? Northern Mississippi, it's getting a little bit warmer. I saw a daffodil cro- uh, pop up off of I-40. Uh, as we were taking our uh, tea break last time for recording, I saw a little thing of green and yellow, and I thought, I thought, gosh, it must be springtime. Soon. Very, very soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're trying. So how yep. is everything with you? I'm good. Um, you know, it's getting back into a routine. Um, things are starting to open up more, and mask restrictions are being dropped, maybe a little prematurely. Um, I'm mm. still wearing my mask for two more weeks until, you know, I get a little bit more confident that the numbers are really going down and then we'll see. And then once travel restrictions get lifted, then I think it'll feel like re- things are really back to, um, a more livable normal. The Grace Brother Airlines, um, <laughs> airstrip here is just waiting for all the people who want to take the, that does suit Madam tour. Of Costa um, Planca, just waiting for them to, you know, put their testing in place. And <laughs> Immigration to Costa Planca is very difficult, let me tell you. Uh, we did hear from some folks. We've been hearing from the unanimous listeners. And uh, we heard from our old buddy Kyle, who was a super fan for an episode, which escapes me at the moment. Um, uh, but 50 he years was on? watching. Yeah, he was watching um, Beans of Boston. And he listened to our podcast last episode, and he's like, i got to watch this thing. And uh, he said, where can I find it? And I said, it's on our Facebook page, Mary. And he went to watch it. And he said he <laughs> felt guilty. 
which I thought was interesting because he said, it's like I'm watching an alternate world, alternate reality episode of Are You Being Served? And it's almost like I'm not being loyal to the original actors. <laughs> Cheating and the orig- on Mrs. Slocum? Right. Yeah. Well, watch out, mister. So it was an interesting thought. And I thought, ooh, we, you know, we might talk about that a little bit this episode because it's the same kind of phenomenon, right? It is, but a little different. I, I had a very different take with this cast of characters, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Jump the gun, Brandon, is what they called me in high school. So, we, <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> um, we also heard from Henry and Anne, who joined us on Facebook. Thank you so much. And Hello. we have a poll open on Facebook to let us know which of the Australian remake episodes that you want us to um, recap when we get to Are You Being Served Australia? Um, we've also he- heard from several people who told us how to find Undesirable Alien. So we are going to be doing an episode about that. Which is the only original Are You Being Served Australian episode that they didn't literally copy from the UK. Yes. So it's like this unique little piece of the world of Are You Being Served, right? Yes. So um, if you look hard enough um, and you maybe put some feelers out to the fandom. Russian website. Uh, your fellow unanimous you know, may be able to help you f- locate it so you can watch along with us. Um, but still, please take the poll and let us know which of the, the remake episodes you want us to cover, because we are going to cover one of those as well. Yeah, And um, we heard from Mr. James via email, did we not? We did, Mr. Brandon. We did indeed. We heard from <laughs> Mr. James, who uh, agreed with us that Charlotte Ray kind of phoned it in as Mrs. Slocum on Beans of Boston. But what he gave us a little factoid that I didn't put two and two together was that the day before Beans of Boston aired in the States was the season one finale of Different Strokes. And so the U.S. audience saw Charlotte Ray back-to-back on two different nights. And that season one finale was the backdoor pilot for The Facts of Life. I, I knew that The Facts of Life debuted in the fall of 79. And this was in Beans of Boston was May of 79. But I didn't put together that the last episode of season one of Different Strokes was okay. the, the backdoor pilot. Yeah. So the idea is uh, the, the American audience who saw television that period saw a lot of Charlotte Ray, and Charlotte Ray was, Ray was probably like, okay, this other thing's probably going to take off. I'm not going, I'm just going to phone it in, as James suggested, uh, with this crazy R being served thing, right? I don't know if she purposely would have phoned it in, because what I understand is that, so we're, we're estimating that Charlotte Ray filmed the Different Strokes finale in February and Beans of Boston around the same time or sometime before May. They both aired. And I guess seeing the reaction to that, she pitched um, Facts of Life in July of 79. And oh, okay. they, they started filming right away and it got picked up just based on the backdoor pilot. It's almost like the stars were aligned to not allow Beans of Boston to go forward, exactly. at least with Charlotte Ray, if for whatever reason. So exactly. it was just never a thing that would ever come to our, our universe. But somehow we got this little nugget from the alternative reality that we can all kind of compare the original series to. And we heard from a lot of folks that like, ugh, Beans of Boston so terrible, commenting on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. I still maintain that it was cool that we can compare... Um, the original series to this weird proto-American thing. Um, yeah. But we kind of have another opportunity to do that 
Um, with this episode, tonight, we heard reboot, from yeah. the other Mr. Jeff. Hello, other Mr. Jeff. Number one, or is it number two? And you're number, I don't know. Anyway, our, our old friend, Mr. Jeff, um, longtime listener, super fan. Uh, he sent a message from, uh, with, with a link from the Star newspaper tabloid um, in the UK. And in this article, it, um, it says, the BBC executives acts, are you being served remake? From 2016, which is the topic for this episode to date. Um, they say that in the article, uh, the BBC executive watched the pilot, which is the one episode that we, they made, and then they said, oh boy, howdy, um, Mr. Humphreys is way too camp, and we're scared that we're going to not be seen as the progressive anti-Beeb that we have done a lot of work to become, mm-hmm. so we're going to pull the plug on this whole thing. What I didn't know is we there's a connection to the scriptwriter. Is there not, Mr. Jeffrey? There is indeed, Mr. Brandon. So you're right. You know, the, they got a lot of uh, viewer complaints about uh, Mr. Humphrey's camp character because they either were not fans of the original or not steeped in history or you know didn't see it moving with the times. They also got a lot of complaints about the Mrs. Slocum's pussy jokes. And yeah. so usually in the UK, it takes about 4 million or 5 million viewers in order for a pilot to get picked up. And mm-hmm. even though they got 7 million viewers, they decided that the viewer backlash was too strong uh, to oh, be able wow. to, to warrant it. Yeah, I know that um, the actress who played Mrs. Slocum in the remake, um, she was quoted in uh, another article that I read that said, you know, there's no reason why this thing should have not been picked up because we had enough <laughs> well, UK uh, viewers. I have, a, I have a different opinion, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, well, okay. All right. But yeah, um, so uh, more on... So so who was the scriptwriter exactly? So yeah, so Darren Little, who wrote Benadorm, actually wrote the script for the three um, episodes of Are You Being Served 2016 that they actually shot. I had no idea. I never put two and two together. And if you've not seen Benidorm, if you like Are You Being Served, you're going to love Benidorm. It's it's something that has been going on for years. Um, There's a lot more content to watch in Are You Being Served. So it's no shock to me that the man who produced and wrote most of Benidorm is behind this, this one. So and that's kind of a cool connection. And there are more connections as we go there, in through the podcast. Yes, there are. There are indeed. <laughs> and um, cool. So we also heard from uh, one of the unanimous superfans, of course, making uh, availing himself of the Peacock hotline, 662-PEACOCK, uh, left us a little voicemail, uh, Mr. Bill from Ohio. That's not Philomena Bill from Bunter, Ohio, is it? Um, his name's not Philomena. Is this a joke that I don't understand? I'm very young, Jeff. You have to remember. Philomena Bill from Bunter, Ohio. You got to call those credit card numbers in. I can't see them in the screen. I cast out your cancer. I cast out your diabetes. Did my credit card company call the the, the hotline again? No, I'm making an absolutely fabulous reference. So, you know, in the later seasons when um, Bo and Marshall have the um, televangelist yeah. um, thing, one of the... Bo of, the American. Bo, right, Bo Chrysalis, the American. And one of the people that they're always talking to, one of their at-home viewers, is Philomena Bill from Bunter, Ohio. Who's like a credit card collections agency, and she's trying to call this woman no, to get their money back. She, she No, she's trying. Yeah, well, it probably is. No, <laughs> she's, she's the at-home person who's like li- wants to donate money to the televangelists. 
And oh, she thinks that's she just, just by holding her credit card up to the screen, they can see oh it. Oh, my God. People don't anyway. give your money away anyway. So, anyway, yes. Uh, so, let's, so it's Bill not that Mr. Say. Bill. Okay. It's a different Mr. Bill. And he's from Ohio, but not anyway. So <laughs> all of that said, let's take a listen now. Mr. Jeff, Mr. Brennan, are you free? I had to start that way. I love the podcast. Absolutely love it. You guys are so great talking about a show that not enough people watch. Cannot wait to see you guys do Favor and Grace, The Beans of Boston, and everything else you're going to cover. I'm catching up very fast. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, super fan, Mr. Bill. Um, not regarding credit cards, of course. Um, but thanks for the kind words. We're looking forward to doing um, Are You Being Served Again? Grace and Favor. And I hope you've already heard the Beans of Boston episode. So thank you for the message. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Bill. And uh, to you and all of our unanimous out there, please wear a mask for a little bit longer. Uh, mm. Wash your hands. Get vaxxed. And as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. And go give us a shekel or two at the bargain basement. And you can do that at imfree.threadless.com. Cha-ching! Sell out. Okay, so shall so we talk Jeffrey. about the reboot? Yes. Now, what the hell are we doing here for waiting and wasting these nice people's unanimous time? What are we doing? Today we are talking about the 2016 BBC re- reboot, You Can't Teach a New Dog Old Tricks. And, and no, they couldn't. And no, they could not. (laughs) Um, It originally premiered on August 28th, 2016. What was happening that week? Well, that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart was Closer by the Chainsmokers featuring Halsey. Sing it. I I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that is. And we should know this because this was like, you know, eight years ago or whatever. This was like six years ago. Six years ago. Right. I know who the Chainsmokers are and I know who Halsey is. I just have never heard this song. Or if I have, I just don't know that that it's what it's called. Um, Apologies to the artists. And at the top of the UK singles chart was Cold Water by Major Lazer, Justin Bieber, and Mo. I, I know who Again, one of those artists are. <laughs> I, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, at the Rio de Janeiro Summer Olympics, it was the first time that the Summer Olympics were ever held in winter. Because the 2000 Sydney Games were in Austral Spring. Uh, so... They were in September, and mm-hmm. the 1956 Melbourne Olympics were in Austral summer. They were in December. So, so if you're fancy, you say Austral instead of almost summer, almost spring. No, no, s- southern. Because uh, uh, I see. Re- yes, Brazil geography. is in the southern hemisphere. Yeah, Spheres. Yeah. Well, speaking of Brazil, Dilma Rousseff was impeached and removed from the Brazilian presidency. Uh, which okay. set a, an international precedent for something that would almost happen a few years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this was the week that Colin Kaepernick knelt during the national anthem. God, it seems like so many years ago. And right? um, Eminem, so the the Super Bowl was just, what, two nights ago? Right. And uh, Eminem apparently knelt, and it was a big deal, but I didn't watch a minute of it. So ne- Neither did I. I'm sure so. you all know what that means. Yes. <laughs> So. so, anyway, we have our familiar theme song, unlike the atrocity that opened up Beans of Boston. So, we have the, <laughs> the cash register music, and it's 1988, and the store looks very much the same from when we left it back in 1985. So, the original series, 1985 it ends. So, then they pick it up 30 years later, whatever, 
in 2016, and they just move it three years into the future. <laughs> right. 1988, which we hear that joke between Mr. Uh, Granger and Humphreys, like, for five minutes, right? right. 1980, what? 88. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, and so uh, right off the bat, we meet Mr. Humphreys, who is played by Jason Watkins. Okay. And you probably know him better as PM Harold Wilson from The Crown Season 3. Yeah, he's a pretty... Um, the thing about Are You Being Served 2016 reboot, I mean, it's a, I wish they had a better name for it. Like, I guess we're calling it the 2016 reboot right, right. on the show, but... Um, each one of those artists, uh, the the actors, were fairly well known. It's a who's who. They all they all. Okay, were. so they're all pretty famous. Yeah. So like all of these folks, if you're in the UK, you're like, oh, I know that person. Um, Mr. Jeff and I watch a lot of BBC, a lot of um, British humor comedies, so we knew like two of these actors at least from Benidorm. So if you watch mm-hmm. comedies and stuff, I mean, if you listen to podcasts and you love all you're being served, you probably watch a lot of other stuff. These folks are not going to be all new to you, which is pretty yeah. cool. So it was very, very similar to Beans in Boston that you had recognizable actors like yeah, Tom yeah. Post and Charlotte Ray, et cetera. All of these a- actors are recognizable and lovable. Very much... Um, like, you know how ABC is doing the live in front of a studio audience reboots where they do mm-hmm. a special yeah. episode of All in the Family with like, um, um, oh, what's his face? The, the, the Woody Harrelson, right? As Archie. So okay. it's, it's favorite actors who are reprising these roles. So it's a big draw in for these kind of one-offs. And the BBC um, thought, we'll, we'll, we'll try a bit of that and yeah. see what happens. Well, so. Yeah, they, I mean, they did it first because live in front of a studio audience only happened, started, what, like two years ago? Uh, maybe. Something like that, yeah. And so we see, um, we see another, we see a customer or who they think is a customer come mm-hmm. in. And there's a little bit of banter between uh, Mr. Humphreys and him. It's like, oh, you're like me, aren't you? And the customer goes, I very uh, much doubt I it. I very much doubt it. <laughs> Humphreys like, I mean, you have a narrow waist. You know, because he's, he's trying to sell him a pair of pants and a jacket. He thinks that this is a customer coming in. So we'll learn okay. who this is in just a minute. Uh, the floor walker comes over to see who uh, to see what's going on, uh, and it is uh, Captain Peacock is played by John Chalice, who uh, is better known as Boise in Only Fools and Horses and Monty in Benidorm. So not just Monty, I love his name. His full name in Benidorm is Monty Stains. <laughs> I have a long line of stains in my family tree. Oh my God, I love it. What's, what's also cool, too, about watching this remake, because we had the American remake in the 70s or whatever, it's interesting how much more lovable and relatable they are because they kept the character's name. It's not Captain, or it's not Mr. Wazgold or whatever, Wagstaff. <laughs> like in Australia, right? Yeah, like the, the Beans, uh, the, uh, the Australia, and then they changed the names. Um, they called in Beans in Boston, it was Mr. Peacock instead of Captain Peacock. It was just too much. I can't take it. So right. at least they got the names right. And it, it really is a continuation, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we find out that the customer who is trying on an indigo double-breasted suit is not, in fact, a customer, but <laughs> is instead Mr. Richard Conway, who is a new hire on the gentleman's counter. Mm, um, okay. And he's Hurrah. played by um, Coyote Awume 
who was mm-hmm. better known as Kazim and Enterprise or RS in hashtag hood documentary. Now, is that Enterprise Star Trek or is that another <laughs> thing? Something completely different. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Uh, and they've brought back Mr. Granger. Yay. He's not on the Costa Plank. We get we get we get a joke coming on in a little bit about why he's returned and come out of retirement. <laughs> yes, um, because I think it w- we have decided as a community that Mr. Granger and Mrs. Granger retired on the Costa Planca after the Are You Being Served movie. That's so they exactly probably right. were spending a lot of time together. So we'll yes. see what happens there. Right. Uh, he's played by Roy, Roy Barraclaw, uh, who is better known as Alec, the landlord of the Rover's Return in Coronation Street. Interesting, because he looked a little bit um, familiar to me. So if you have BritBox, it's an easy place to find this episode. If you go to the A's for the A alphabetical in, uh, shows, you'll see this listed right next to the original Are You Being Served. Yep. And if you have BritBox, you can watch Corey. And he, you're right, now that you say that, I remember him from Corey when I used to watch it. So that's yeah. cool. Huh. Um. Captain Peacock asks Mr. Granger if he's free, but he's not because he's rearranging his underwear because there's an under 21s Italian football team on the ground floor. I thought this was going to be a setup for a Humphreys joke, but it wasn't. Under 21s, that's me like 21 and younger. Right. That's a phrase that Americans don't really have. Italian football team, I assume, are a bunch of guys. Right. Could be girls, could be ladies. But I don't, he's got to rearrange his underwear. I don't know. Were they the, were the Italians famous for playing soccer in their underwear? Uh, I don't know. They tried. Yeah. They tried. They tried. Um, he tries to get Mr. Granger over because Mr. Conway needs to get fitted for a new suit that is work appropriate. Because what he's come in is way too flashy. You know, it's that it's that bright indigo color. It's way too flashy for. And he's got like a kind the of the gents ready. Do you remember the? Do you remember the 80s? You would wear like a, of course, I was too young, uh, but uh, you would wear like um, a, a, a collared shirt with like white background with like wavy gray lines. That's mm-hmm. the kind of shirt he has on. Yes, that's true. Very yeah. late 80s. Conway sees a pretty girl across the floor and gives her a wink. And it's Miss Brahms, mm-hmm. uh, who is played by Nikki Wardley, who okay. is much better known at, well, to me at least, as uh, Lauren Cooper's friend Lisa in the Catherine Tate show. Oh, okay. So if you I'm haven't not... seen Catherine Tate again, another show that you would love. I'm not bothered. Am I bothered? Am I bothered? Does my face look bothered, right? Sweet Her, friend... <laughs> <laughs> Her friend Lisa, uh, but she also was the voice of Tamsin on the Eighth Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. okay. That's interesting. Interesting. Uh, and of course, we also meet Mrs. Slocum. Um, who is played by Sherry Hewson, who was also on Benidorm as Joyce. Joyce Temple uh, Savage. And she was also a panelist on Loose Women, which was a View-style t- uh, yeah, talk show. Yeah, it's like The View. I, I don't. Is she no longer on Loose Women? Yeah, she's no. I don't think she's on it anymore. Okay. Yeah, she's a big star. I mean, she's like, if you watch morning television in the UK, you know who Sherry... Uh, Sher- Sherry Houston, easy for me to say. Um, but yeah, she was great. And I think she was perfectly cast. Whenever I watch Benidorm, um, the character of Joyce Temple Savage, if you've not seen it, she plays kind of the managerial uh-huh. person, head honcho of um, a holiday resort in Spain. The Solana? English, uh, Solana, yeah, the yeah. Solana. And um, she does a lot of Mrs. Humphreys, kind of Molly Sugden kind of 
looks and someone will insert insult her age or her or her size or something and she'll kind of give that little slocum-esque sugden-esque kind of like half smile frown when she mm-hmm. looks to her left do you know what i mean yeah um so i saw a lot of similarities when i watched benedorm thinking oh this is just like mrs slocum and here's the actress playing mrs slocum so it was a perfect thing for me well here's the thing for me is that me. i couldn't pick up what kind of accent either Sherry Hewson naturally has or she mm-hmm. was trying to give Mrs. Silkum because it sounded very much like Gillian Anderson impersonating Margaret Thatcher to me. <laughs> Which is like season five of The Crown or something. Right. Um, it didn't, you know, it didn't sound very Blackpool to me. Yeah, she didn't have that northern thing going on. But um, I, I did notice as I watched the episode, especially with um, – the, the fellow who played Mr. Captain Peacock, they really, really must have studied hours and hours and hours of footage of the original actors and the way they portrayed them. Uh, Mr. Humphrey's character, Captain Peacock, Mrs. Slocum, uh, they all had that cadence. Even when Mr. Hump, Mr. Uh, excuse me, even when Captain Peacock would speak, sometimes Frank Thornton would not remember the line immediately. Mm-hmm. And he built it into his character where he would sort of, you know pause a little bit. Mr. Humphreys, would you please come here? But even the character uh, on this new show did that as well, and I noticed the same thing with Mrs. Slocum, so it was That's really true. cool. That's yeah. true. They they all did nail the cadence of how yeah. the, 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 the cast spoke. Miss um, Brahms spoke with the Lo- East London accent, which is um, very true to um, Wendy Richards' um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, interpretation of the character. Uh, also very faithful to how we know uh, Lauren Cooper's friend Lisa. And I will say, that. it's interesting, Mr. Conway, he had a very unique accent because we'd never heard that on the original series. Right, I don't know where in character. London, but... What? Because he's a new character. Yeah, but I mean, just, you know, you think about Mr. Harmon, Mr. Mash, you heard those the Cockney kind of thing. Um, but in the original series, you never heard that, that type of accent. And I, I know it's a London accent. I want to say... East London, that's more your thing, I think, about where people are from based on their so, accent. But Con- Conway, Conway speaks in what is called um, uh, uh, Multicultural London English, or MLE. Oh. And what that accent has been developing over the past 15 years or so. And it's from people who are either first-generation or second-generation Londoners that are developing um, uh, developing speech patterns based on their interactions with other people who are other first-generation or second-generation Londoners. So Fascinating. You, get, you get a lot of um, received pronunciation for the vowels, but you get a lot of the clippings of the R's and the consonants because those, vo- those um, consonant features about dropping are very common to the languages of the people who immigrate to London. Hmm. Wow. So the reason we never heard someone like Mr. Conway um, back then is that it didn't really exist, that accent. Right, because no one, none of the original cast were second-generation English. Oh, interesting. So now that you said that, um, if you watch a, a, a modern television show or anything from BritBox produced in the UK in the last 20 years, I guess, you do find this this accent, and I, I identify it as very London, but it's called M-L-E. 
Yeah, multicultural London English. So just to kind of, I mean, this is really cool that we found this kind of thing to talk about. But MLE, multicultural London English, <laughs> um, it's essentially, there are a lot of immigrants who are coming to London, the greater London area. I, I, I suppose it's safe to say South, South England. Uh, particularly London, and um, there's all these people learning English as a second language, and the way that they speak English uniquely has all been blended together to now affect the people who were born in London, which happens in any 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 immigrant community. The first generation are going to speak one way, and the second will speak a different way, and there's a mixture happening there. Really interesting stuff. That's really yeah, cool. And that's why we didn't hear it in the 70s. Yeah. Huh. Um, so Miss Brahms is going on about gentlemen that um, you know, she's she's talking about uh, Mr. Conway and thinks that he's attractive. She says he's fit, you know, even though he's a little young for her. And mm-hmm. Mrs. Slocum takes issue because <laughs> fit is something that you use to describe someone who is athletic. Daley Thompson is fit. Jimmy Connors is fit. Um, Daley Thompson was a gold medal athlete in the Olympics in decathlon in 1980 and 1984. And uh, Jimmy Connors, of course, won Wimbledon in 1982 and also back in 1974. So these are very recent references for Grace Brothers characters to be making. Because from the original series, all of their pop culture references were at least 15 or 20 years old. Yeah. And now we've got Mrs. Slocum referencing athletes that were popular within the last 10 years. That's that's a big cultural shift. Yeah, because you know, one of the things we say on the show, on the show all the time is that the reason why um Mrs. Slocum is still a little bit kind of funny is that she is a little bit not hip. She's not with it and she thinks it's 1957. Even though it's 1979. Well, everyone uh, in the store does. Everyone in the store is yeah. trapped in 20 years ago, including like Miss Brahms and Mr. Lucas were always a little bit like out of uh, out of touch with the rest of the store being so out of touch. But they they acclimated. Yeah, but it was yeah. interesting how like like you said that she's using in 1988 the time of the TV show. Right. Even though it was 2016, which is confusing, she was she's gotten a little hipper, I suppose. Just but a little it's bit. weird too because it's a, it's lost because it's 2016 when people are watching this, right? And back then it would have been old fashioned. So, but one mm. of the things that we will see several times in the episode is that Mr. Conway doesn't acclimate, at least in the first episode, to the fact that everyone is so out of touch. And there's an uh, there's another character as well. Uh, that's an important uh, plot point. Anyway, uh, Mrs. Slocum objects to the word fit for to be used for appearance. I like the word dishy. And, and you do too, Mr. Brandon. You use that oh, word Oh, that dishy vicar, um, which is a uh, keeping up appearances reference. Um, yeah, it's interesting. If you if you watch EastEnders or, or, or Coronation Street or anything from the UK uh, with young people, uh, yeah, the word fit is attractive, hot, sexy. It's, oh, he's fit, isn't he? He's oh, he's fit, mouth fit. He's mouth fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought on my birthdays had come at once when I caught one of his bowls. Speaking of Jimmy Connors <laughs> at Wimbledon, right? Oh my God. Um, she instructs Miss Brahms to wipe down the counter, and Miss Brahms grabs a huge pack of wipes from behind the counter. And Mr. Slocum has, well, I would say, has a fit because um, they're not to be used on the counter. They're her personal stock of perfumed, intimate lady wipes. <laughs> That's why Lady Whisper 
No one will know how fresh you are. Oh, boy. And then I love she does the Slocum side. You know what it is? It's not Mrs. Slocum. It's also um, uh, Dame Edna Everidge. She uh-huh. does that uh, side. Like if someone makes a joke about like, oh, I thought I saw you coming out of the men's washroom. And then she would give like a joke about where she like puts her tongue to the left and her, her, her something, her bottom lip to the left, her upper lip to the right. And she's kind of like smiling, but she isn't. Oh, right. it's so cute. I love right. it. Um, Mr. Granger, uh, gets told off, uh, for referring to Captain Peacock, uh, by his first name. It may be Stephen at the golf club, but it's Captain Peacock on the shop floor. Okay. Strangely enough, Mr. Granger thinks that Grace Brothers should move with the times. I know that was weird, right? Maybe since he came out of retirement, you know, you spent all this time at the Costa Planca and he sees how modern life is. Oh, he's come back there. to the store. He's like, wow, they're all really past it, right? Hold on a minute. Now, I've just had a brainwave, as the okay. UK people say. What if, the, <laughs> what if the universe of Are You Being Served exists in the same world as Benidorm? And he went to the Costa Planca, which is kind of like the Costa Blanca, where uh-huh. Benidorm is. Uh-huh. Or does Costa Planca mean it's in a different universe reality? The unanimous uh, deserve an answer. I, I think that would be really interesting to see if that ever happened. Oh, we can't know because, no, because then, then the actors for Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock could not exist. Okay, never mind. Yeah. No, the answer is no. I just okay. figured it out. Okay. okay. Um, we, we go over to Mr. Rumble's office and it got an update. So. Oh, yeah. He's not, I don't know if they moved the floor or whatever, but now we could see the front of the entrance to the department store uh, is right directly underneath him because we could see the Grace Brothers um, window, front window, right uh, out his back. Um, And there's a big picture of young Mr. Grace hanging in his his office. Um, Mr. Rumble is played by Justin Edwards, who was Eric in Skins. The original skins, not the USMTV version. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I love how with Are You Being Served, they have those weird, like, 1970s camera angles. Like, in, like the camera will be in the corner of a room, and there'll be a line of people standing up waiting to speak to Mr. Rumbold. And um, so it's this weird angle. And like, I find that in the UK a lot. They have, like, especially, like, uh, Benidorm and... and um, Corey and EastEnders, where people will walk right past the the camera lens, and maybe because yeah. this it's smaller space, I don't know. But I did like how a couple of times in his office you got that classic '70s BBC camera angle, which is kind of cool, you know? right? And I, those were probably intentional director choices to mimic oh, a yeah. lot of the bad bad photography shots from the <laughs> 70s and I wonder if they, uh, they had to, should we shake the camera by accident <laughs> or not? I don't know. Um, we learn how Mr. Conway got the job. Uh, it's because he saved Mrs. Rumbold's Chihuahua Lulu from choking by sticking his finger up the dog's bum because it loosens the jaws. <laughs> so um, we get a lot of the... You know, usually it's Mr. Rumbold who doesn't follow the whole story and latches onto a word. But this time it's Peacock who doesn't follow and thinks that uh, Mr. Conway stuck his finger up Mrs. Rumbold's bum oh. to stop her from choking, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, what I took away with this was... I figured you'd take away something. <laughs> um, I wonder if there are any children who learned um, about how to save an animal from choking from this, much like how people of our generation learned about CPR and first aid from shows like Different Strokes and not to play in discarded refrigerators because of Punky Brewster and, you know, all those things. Hmm. Uh, it's a good I hadn't even thought about it. Um, I didn't know that if your dog is choking, you can stick your finger up its butt and it will, like, loosen its jaw and then stop jo- choking. So maybe this yeah. we should put, maybe this episode PSA. has become a PSA. <laughs> Is there any of that that you remember from childhood TV shows where you learned like an important life skill like that? Because oh no, they the wouldn't have let us don't... have PSAs about sticking your fingers in animals' asses uh, in Arkansas. No, I think it was illegal in Arkansas. No, but like, when? How did you learn about what the Heimlich maneuver was? <laughs> I or learned about you... it on this episode. <laughs> oh, we were talking about Heimlich. Um, I I don't know. I think that we probably had like someone come to school and like, mm-hmm. all right, little children, like shut up for a minute and uh watch us do a demonstration yeah but yeah it wasn't from television but maybe i don't know it's a good question i i totally remember i well obviously there's that famous punky brewster episode where it was a two-parter because they were playing hide and seek and cherry decided to hide in a discarded refrigerator and that's how i learned that you're supposed to take the door off the refrigerator if you when you put it on the sidewalk for uh that's so interesting. In New York, you would see these refrigerators to be thrown away and waiting on the sidewalk, and they wouldn't have a door, and I never right. realized that's why. Because you can get trapped inside, because Cherry on Punky Brewster did. I Thank think you, Punky you, Brewster. If you ask any late Gen Xer, <laughs> they will have that memory. I don't think that you early millennials do, because I, I, think you, I think you would have been too young for Punky Brewster. So, late Gen Xers of the United States, please tell me I'm not alone in this memory of Cherry getting caught in the refrigerator on Punky Brewster. In 10 years, the AARP magazine will have Punky Brewster. Where are they now? I am already getting applications for AARP, and I am not even close to the joining age, and it is terrifying. Moving right along. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, we see that Mr. Humphreys is training Mr. Conway on the shop floor, and he's trying to find out if he's ever walked in a shop before. Mm -hmm. He says, do you want the short answer or the long answer? I'll take the short answer. I have. Oh, okay. What's the long answer? Mr. Humphreys pauses for a beat. (laughs) What's the long answer? I have... No experience working on a shop floor. <laughs> it's really cute. I do. We haven't even mentioned the fact that Mr. Conway is played by a black actor. How <gasps> cool was that? That's amazing. I mean, I think that it was obvious that Grace Brothers and the BBC needed to be brought up to the Times, especially where we had such poor representation of mm. anybody who wasn't white on the original series. Yeah, we'll come um, back to that, I think. But yeah, yeah. I, I just realized we haven't even mentioned that. Yeah. Mr. Conway starts asking about the ladies on the ladies' counter, and Mr. Humphreys picks up that he's interested in in one of them, but isn't quite sure which one. He goes, well, one's older than me, and one's older than everyone, (laughs) 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 to make it pretty clear, right? Yeah. Um, And so they're talking about Miss Brahms, and Mr. Humphreys remembers, well, we once had a Mr. Lucas work here who tried to get her to stamp his receipt. 
using that nice euphemism, right, about uh, dating or whatever. And then, and then Mr. Humphrey said something like, and neither did Mr. Lucas or something like that. Right. It was very clever. I I'm like glad, how they kind of brought back yeah. Mr. Lucas, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also meet Mr. Harmon, who is played by Arthur Smith, who uh, is the voice of George in The Rubbish World of Dave Spud, pretty um, well-known cartoon back okay. in the... Uh, uh, An old blighty. Uh, 2000s, I think, right? Um, and he uh, does Mr. Harmon proud with his use of Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, I've seen bigger bristles on a middle-aged man. Okay, okay, referring hold on, to hold the on. Let, let's think. Bristles, pistols? Nope. So he's talking no. about the mannequin. Yeah, okay. Bristol and cream, Bristol nope. city. Bristol ah, city. Bristol city, which is the football team. T- city rhymes with titty. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay. She seems to be met missing her raspberry ripples. Nipples. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I got that one. And yeah. then, of course, that just incenses Mrs. Slocum. Right. Um, Mr. Harmon <laughs> starts talking about the fact that they're having a buffet down on the ground floor uh, because it's the debut of the new belly perfume, which is <laughs> French bell, but he mispronounces it with the belly. Um, and Mrs. Slocum is... Um, is really surprised at the quality of food that they're serving. I've not had lobster since Mr. Akbar's flat warming, but it was covered in so many spices my pussy had a sneezing fit. Oh my god. Well, okay, so how did that do with your equation? It was well-timed for a pussy joke. It got a very good audience reaction because we knew that they were hungry for it. Um, I don't understand what spices you would put on lobster, but I guess maybe whatever cuisine Mr. Akbar was cooking, you would do put spice on a lobster. Well, um, you're, you're checking your actuarial tables right now as right. very nice. Yeah, you're very organized, Mr. Jeff. Um, I love that we got a reference to Mr. Akbar. I, I know. love Mr. Akbar. And so I wonder if the general audience remembered that he was her neighbor. Because we never got an explanation as to who Mr. Akbar was, and he comes up uh, several times. Yeah, I mean, episode. I think there's a lot of love letters to the Ari Bing Sir folks um, I agree. in this, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um, Mr. Granger starts telling this story about how he met Mrs. Granger on the shop floor. Uh, she came out of the lift. I remember it like it was yesterday, but I wish it were tomorrow because I'd take the bloody stairs, right? <laughs> we learn that he's come out of retirement because he's sick of spending time with her. Oh. Well, he didn't have a lot of good things to say in the original series very much. But no, no, I will not. say it's cool that we're talking about the same characters and the same history and the same names. And it's like we get to see see them another time, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's canon because it's the BBC, um, which leads me to the question, is Beans of Boston canon? Well, no, no because it's different because people. It's different people, right? So it's not like... The Australian version, which the whole premise is they sent um, uh, Mr. Humphreys, right, yeah. Right. It's it's because it's not Grace Brothers, it's Bone Brothers down there. And they either recruited him or he got sent away down there in order to help them because he had such experience at Grace Maybe Brothers. Maybe got caught right? Biff nicking something from a store and he sent him <laughs> to Australia. Well, sorry, I, I, Australian listeners. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess I can make the joke now. I was saving it for next week's episode, but I think that Mr. Humphreys understood what he, they meant by penal colony. And that's how he oh, ended up in Australia. Oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going, Gladys is, she gave you a courtesy ding, but um, mm-hmm. anyway. Back in Mr. Rumble's <laughs> office, we hear yeah. uh, his new secretary finally speak. Uh, her name is Miss Croft. 
which is a nice nod to mm-hmm. David Croft, the uh, original uh, writer and creator of the show. Um, she's played by Georgie Porter, who is Teresa in Hollyoaks. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's a big show. Yep. And so she, they have a. Um, she's playing, you know, the ditzy dumb blonde who uh, kind of misunderstands and is bad at shorthand. And she's about to go for lunch when she gets interrupted by a new character coming in and says, "Well, if you change your mind and fancy your role, I'll be upstairs." Because she's going to get a pickle roll her lunch uh, upstairs, and Mr. she's Rumble in pickle roll. Yeah, and of course right. the new guy walks in, and he heard the last of the conversation. He's like, "What the hell?" Right. So, right. classic and stuff, right? This is the new Mr. Grace. Is the person Yay. who interrupted the conversation, and he is played by Matthew Horn, who is of course yes. Gavin from Gavin and Stacey, and. Nan's grandson Jamie and Lauren's friend Ryan from the Catherine Tate show. So if you know the Catherine Tate show, you you know this guy. If you've seen Ka- Gavin and Stacy, you know this guy. But he's really cool. I mean, he's he's everywhere yes. in the UK. I've seen him a lot, and I thought it was cool to invite a new a young guy as like the grandson of young Mister Grace. It was cool that they had a little photo of young Mister Grace and um, that he's sort of like this wise guy kind of person yeah no he's definitely got he's definitely got that wise guy personality um he speaks in the thick essex accent that he's known for for the gavin character um but the ex but the actor himself uh, matthew horn is from the east midlands so that wouldn't be his natural accent okay. um very odd character choice to make to have <laughs> um mr grace's grandson have grown up in essex <laughs> And to have well, that I mean, Essex personality. I mean, this is 2016, so what's that show called? Uh, All About Essex or Mad About Essex? The Only Way is Essex. The Only Way is Essex. Which basically is like the Jersey Shore, but in the UK, would you yeah. say? And everyone's yes. like crazy wealthy. and Essex oh. is absolutely the New Jersey of the UK. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's... So, I don't know, by placing him with that accent, it was sort of like, okay, this kid is a playboy. He has too much money. And he just yeah, kind of flits okay. around. Don't know. Yeah. He's spent the past three years bringing Grace Brothers back from the brink. So apparently, right after the pop star is when he came to join. Because you know, old Mr. Grace wasn't around anymore. And young yeah. Mr. Grace had you know retired or whatever. I love how seriously we take all of this. But <laughs> that's why the people love the show. <laughs> um, and he's decided that it's time to bring the store into the 20th century, starting by getting the filing system computerized. Okay. First of all, I love that they use a word like computerized because you have to, you know, you have to get used to using these machines, which Mr. Rumbold has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Like, yeah, I was going to bring this up because you and I, although we are young and me even younger, um, we're old enough to remember in the 90s and aughts that, you know, a lot of the older folk we might have worked for didn't learn, quote, the computer unquote mm-hmm. right so a lot of people are like you know like my grandfather my my your great auntie whoever uh, a lot of older folks um just refuse to learn it they're like you know that's that's new people stuff i'm about to retire i see no reason why i need to learn the computer and we're seeing the very beginning of this with mr rumble like oh it's it's marvelous it's great and but we i don't even know how to turn it on and it intimidates me because i, I remember that growing up you're absolutely right i mean i remember having a coworker as late as probably 2007 i would say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who 
didn't know how to use the computer. But nowadays, like 2022 now, everybody, I think, is computer literate to some degree. To some degree, yeah. Right? Because it's just so critical in life. I, I don't know that it's as... I don't know that everyone is as... I don't know that we're as close to that because I think one of the things that the pandemic exposed is a lot of senior citizens couldn't get their booster shot because you had oh, to make an appointment right. on yeah, the yeah, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when, when they were giving out the first shots, it was very much walk into the pharmacy, walk into your doctor's office if you're a senior citizen, just walk in and like they'll do anything to start inoculating senior citizens. But yeah, when yeah. the booster came around, you had to make an appointment on the app. And it, or you had to go onto a website and a lot of senior citizens. Yeah. I forgot about that. Didn't have that, you know? So I don't know that everyone, I don't, I, I think that we're still experiencing that, but it's, it's to a different degree now because we've leapfrogged over using the computer and now it's using a smartphone. Um, pretty soon it'll be brain implants coming soon from Apple. <laughs> Um, we get a great double entendre joke uh, uh, in the next scene. Uh, why have cabin boys running around when you can have a deck covered in semen? <laughs> uh, young Mr. Grace has you know, no idea what he's walked into. I don't get it. Well, why don't you tell me, tell you what, why don't you tell me in the canteen okay. in case it's dirty and we'll let the lovely people have a, a, a tea break themselves. So we'll come back down. I wonder what they had in Grace Brothers Canteen in 1988. I guess we'll find out. We'll be right, we'll be back. right back. And we're back from the canteen. Mr. Jeffrey, what did you have? I, I had no idea what they had in 1988, so I just had a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't too impressed with anything they had on offer, so I went to this new takeaway place they opened around the corner called Pret-a-Manger. <gasps> Have you heard of it? I No, I haven't, as it's brand new. <laughs> Tell me more. It is brand new in 1988. <laughs> it's only been around for a few years. Um, and so they've got a selection of sandwiches for takeaway. No way. What will they think of next? Can, <laughs> cheese in a can? <laughs> oh, boy. So what the hell were we talking about? Where were we in the episode? So the phone rings on the ladies' counter, and Mrs. Slocum ignores it because she's been busy with her mannequin. And (laughs) Miss Brahms doesn't answer it at first because she doesn't have seniority. She knows she's not supposed to. And -hmm. she's also annoyed at Mrs. Slocum for, you know, being as haughty and uh, up, you know, as she is. So she finally answers the phone, and it's it's Mr. Akbar. Um, something's happened at home and Mrs. Slocum needs to leave. Oh, no. And she does this weird thing where she's like kind of like camouflaging herself in her coat and trying to walk out without anybody notice. But of course, everybody notices. Yeah, which was something very Slocum-esque, Sugden-esque maybe. It's all interesting because it's so hard to tear the character away from the people who originally played them. Um, but I could definitely see Molly Sugden doing that where she kind of tried to crouch down and hide behind her big mink, her big fur coat, and she dashes upstairs. But I like that we don't know what's going on. Yeah, Miss Miss Brahms doesn't know, Mr. Akbar doesn't tell her, and Mrs. Slocum doesn't tell us the audience. Here's right. the one character trait that Sherry um, Hewson did not um, carry over. Is this a hot Was take? The, this is a hot take. Okay. Uh, is the way that Mrs. Slocum clomps up the stairs. <gasps> with that very kind of wide-hipped stance where she does, you know, oh, where she yeah, does, yeah, like, yeah. 
yeah, she that's good. The character good didn't do that, right? Um, Captain Peacock calls out to Mr. Humphreys, who gives an I'm free as a response, and, and we get an applause claps. break. We get an applause break from the audience. So there were definitely fans and people who loved the, the original show in yeah. the audience for so the cool. saving that day. Uh, we see that Mr. Humphreys is breaking in his mother's shoes, <laughs> and Captain Peacock is appalled that a gentleman is wearing women's shoes. But it's got a very low kitten heel. I love how he kind of like, he does this little very feminine thing. It's just a low kitten heel, Captain Peacock. You know, <laughs> so cute. He's reprimanded and he has to take his shoes off. Oh, spoils um, boy. And Captain, Captain Peacock starts asking about Mrs. Slocum. And so everyone, you know, Mr. Humphreys is um, um, covering up for her, even though he don't, he doesn't know where she is or how long she's going to be. Yeah. Oh, she's she just nipped out for a fag, which is you know slang for a cigarette. We don't say that anymore, Mr. Humphreys. You know, she's on her. Oh, how did he put it? Her optional optional ten minute after, recess afternoon period. recess yeah. period, right? <laughs> So we, that's nice that we get you know, that little bit for a while. It's just an excuse for the, uh, for the actor to say fag to mean cigarette. And I wonder if this is one of those things that the audience complained about. Well, about- I think, I, I don't know. It's a very American perspective because that is a very bad word in the States. But in the UK, it literally means a cigarette. Right. Um, so I wonder if they thought... The Americans will think it's very bad. I mean, I, I don't think the BBC is too worried about what Americans would think of a BBC show. But I don't know. It's If you are in the UK, I we would be curious to know if the word fag, meaning a cigarette, is seen to be as, like, not the best choice of words. Interesting, right? Think, way back to 2016. Like, think back six years ago, culturally, what that would have been. Hmm. And I will right. say, say it's cool, too, because we see... Uh, as we've moved from, you know, 70 episodes of the original series to the podcast, we've seen a transition from internal animosity and uh, drama and strife against the people within the, the, the department, right? And then they've moved the antagonist from internal to external, and they become a family where they love each other, right? And we see that here with Captain Peacock covering for Mrs. Slocum. Right in the first couple seasons of the original series, he would be quick to say, "Oh, I haven't haven't idea where Mrs. Slocum is. That will be a mark on her permanent, you know, blah blah blah." Right. So we, it's cool to see that carried on. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a really important point. Uh, when let's revisit that at the end of the episode, okay. when we yeah. uh, talk about what worked and what didn't work, because I think that. That um, idea, as I always say, conflict and drama leads to comedy. Um, so we can talk about that. Um, back in Mr. Rumble's office, Miss Croft is trying to plug in the computer, and we get a one-sided telephone conversation where oh, Mr. <laughs> where Captain Peacock is only hearing what's going on but doesn't see. And Mr. Rumble is saying things like, give it a yank, or I'll, I'll fiddle with it later. My hardware, and, blah, blah, blah. Right, and it sounds very sexual innuendo, but he's just talking about plugging in the, the computer, right? I'd like to point out here that it was really cool the way that the actor who played Mr. Granger on the phone, when he answered it, um, I swear to God, it could have been Arthur Bruff, the original actor yeah. who played Mr. Granger. You can tell the actor probably really, really, really studied. Uh, you know, he's an older guy, but I think Mr. G- Mr. Granger, the original actor, like really, really overemphasized that old, oh, yes, you know, um, oh, taken shot, blah, blah, blah. But I was really impressed at how well he mimicked yeah. that original cadence. And Indeed. Stuff. 
Mr. Granger hears the end of that conversation and starts to come over a little funny. Yeah. And we get the Mr. Humphrey's character saying, glass of water for Mr. Granger. But he does it in such an exasperated way. It almost felt like he knew he had to give this line to the audience because they'd be hungry for it. And he mm. didn't really have his heart in it. And the audience went know. crazy. They loved it. And the audience went crazy for it, right? Yeah. It, I guess it'd be like, what if they brought back um, Full House? As a reboot. Did did they do that? I don't know. And, they did. And they had like cute little twins come up and say, you got it, dude. And like someone <laughs> saying, cut it out. Like, you know, they're going to clap, right? Because those are the right. things we remember from the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I could totally see Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen with like their Starbucks kind of like phoning in like, you got it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Mr. Grace tells everyone that the department needs updating. Okay. Uh, and so they hear it firsthand that they need to start towing the line. Otherwise, the store is not going to um, to continue to make profit or continue to sell things. And so this is where we see the introduction of conflict. Staff against Grace. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that thought. Um, back on the floor, Mr. Conway is almost ready to sell a pair of jeans to a teenager, but he's losing the customer because, hi, it's 1988, and these clothes all look like they're from the 60s. So it's not even in, like, a throwback kind of vintage 20-year revival kind of way. It just looks very old dated. Mr. Humphreys tells Ms. Brahms to flirt with the teenage customer, and it works. He closes the sale. Mr. Conway makes his first sale. Hooray! Um, Mr. Harmon brings up the food for the ground floor from the, um, uh, from the perfume launch and asks where, where's old frosty knickers, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was great. And so they all dig in, um, and Peacock begins to choke on a piece of lobster. Which I thought was a little weird. (laughs) Like, why did they have that whole choking on lobster food thing? It was almost like. Well, we needed to get a misdirect. Because we know how Mr. Conway saved the dog's life. So he goes, goes, yes, carry on, carry on. I know what to do. Lifts up one finger to emphasize the I know what to do. We get a misdirect thinking he's going to stick it up Captain Peacock's bum. When the camera pans back over, we see him giving the Heimlich. And then, of course, they pan to Mr. Humphreys, who's sort of like overcome uh, the man-on-man action that they were both fully clothed, which was funny. Well, he thought that... Peacock was going to get the finger up the bum as well. And then he's realizing he's watching one of his dear friends and colleagues choke. I I interpreted it differently. I thought he was like, I'm not going to watch that because it's like, I, you know, well, no, I I think it's almost as if it was like too graphic for Mr. Humphreys. And I'm wondering if, if I thought that, I wonder if like anti executives thought that too. I think you thought that was too graphic. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Heimlich maneuver. Um, I know. Y- uh, young, young, young Mr. Grace comes down uh, <laughs> and sees all the food, and he's appalled that people are eating on the shop floor in the middle of the day. Yeah. Captain Peacock tries to save face by saying, on the shop floor, we can always guarantee diligence, duty, and dignity. The three Ds. On cue, the lift doors ding, ding and open, and Mrs. Slocum comes out covered in... What looks like mud, but we learn is actually sewage. It's human waste. Let's just say because the, yeah. the the waste pipe in her block of flats was bunged up with a buildup of her perfumed intimate lady wipes. <laughs> she caused a fat bird. 
Oh, I love how they like. What's something from today that we can like, kind of insert? Because when you do comedy, you want to do things that are kind of, uh, you know, of the day. And well, they didn't have flushable wipes back in 1988, but they maybe had ladies' intimate intimate wipes or something. I don't know. I, love mean, it. I guess you know of the day. Like if they were doing it today, would they be like I don't know, flushing like COVID tests, like at home <laughs> rat tests? Oh my god. <laughs> So, so Mrs. Mrs. Slocum's sewer line broke at her apartment, and it's like covered with like five feet of like four feet of mud, which is actually right. like raw sewage. And she walks up completely covered with human fecal matter. <laughs> in right. She goes right back to work, walks down the, es- the the stairs, wearing her. You know, she doesn't think to like clean off. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's gonna take a whole bottle of Vosine just to clean my pussy. So we get another great um, oh uh, joke here. Uh, Vosine is a dandruff shampoo, by the way. So okay. it's you know, appropriate, right? So like, so it's not uh, like head and shoulders, we would say. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, my God. This is the first time that Mr. Conway hears her say pussy. So he's cracking up laughing because everyone else is used to it, that that's how Tittles is referred to. Yeah. But he thinks it's hysterical because he is not, he's not in on the joke at all. He's not in on the fact that they're so out of touch. He's uh, a fish out of water. And so he's cracking himself laughing, and they don't understand. Are you laughing at Tittles? Because Mrs. Slocum wins a prize every time she shows her pussy. <laughs> and they just double down on it, and he's roaring with laughter. It was interesting because I thought that was like a little mnemonic. Of, I don't know what it was, but there's some like term for that. Like in Shakespeare, the, the one who speaks to the audience um, on the stage um, uh, the Greek, well, he's not really a Greek chorus. He's not because, first of all, there's only one of them and not three of them. But he's. But you know what I'm saying. But, right. But the thing is, he's not the only one that's not in on the joke. Um, young, young, young Mr. Grace is also not in on their culture because anytime that they say something uh, that we would have, auto- as an audience, automatically interpreted as a way to, as a ruse to confuse Mr. Rumbold. Or they're just, you know, they're fussing on parlay. We see that... <laughs> Next to the color television young, stuff. Young, young, young Mr. Grace is, like, giving them a weird look. Like, what are you on about? It's 1988. Get, you know, get with maybe it. Yeah, maybe this is kind of the idea that in the original series, there is this artificial sphere of the world in London where some people still live, which is artificially out of date. But their whole world is, like, basically 1957. And there's kind of saying by 1988, that world has gone away. And now the new world right. has come in and they're just younger. And they, they find it funny that people use the word pussy to refer to cats. Right. And now we see that conflict, um, which is a little bit sad. I kind of like that, that, that to carry on forever. But, you know, times change. Yeah. Um, Mr. Humphreys decides it's a good idea for him to get out of Dodge and he flits over to ask for an optional 10 minute afternoon recess. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want to hear any more of of Mr. Grace. Um, a young customer comes in to ask for a pair of 501s because his mate had bought a pair earlier and wants, uh, another one. Captain Peacock has no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) And so he immediately clues in that. This is a teenage boy. It's got something to do with youth culture. Who is going to understand? Mr. Conway, are you free? And we hear Mr. Conway say, hello, mate. Are you being served? 
to raucous applause from the audience Yay. and the episode ends. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, in 1988, someone not knowing what a 501 jeans were, that's right. like people in Soviet Russia knew what 501 jeans were. Um, but again, it's just that bubble that that they, these characters lived in, which is so charming to me, which is, you know, the fact that like, oh, you know, it's, it's like when we fought in the desert. No, dude, you know, that's, that's your... That was 30 years ago, and now it's 50 years right. ago, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, as late as 1985, you were still getting customers that lived in that 1957 bubble with you. Yeah. But it's 1988 now. None of their customers are living in that bubble. It's like Mr. Rumbold said, Mr. excuse me, Mr. Rumbold, I always have to roll my eyes. He said, um, it's time we come into the, into the, um, into the, ni- no, it's, it's time we come into the 80s. Considering it's almost the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. 1988, yeah. So, good, uh, bad, happy, sad, uh, what do we think? Um, very happy to see our familiar set, our familiar yes. cus- uh, characters, yep. their cadence, the way that they spoke, their mannerisms. Original theme song and titles. Exactly. It was, it, the reboot was a lot better than I remember it. I, I remember watching it and being disappointed when it first came out six years ago, but I was pleasantly surprised. However, even if it, even if it did get picked up for the, the other two C, C, uh, episodes had aired, I don't know where this would have gone. Because as you said, the characters are all an established family, so there's no more internal conflict. So that conflict has to be with the new co- with the new characters, either with Conway or young, young, young Mr. Grace. <laughs> and we started to see that build up there about him trying to pull them into the 20th century. But how would that conflict been resolved? Would he have just given up and joined them in the 1957 bubble or would they all get modernized? I don't know how that could have played out beyond the two special episodes. I don't think this could have lasted for a full first series, even for a short six or eight episode first series. Well, I mean, you know, I think it'd be worth mentioning here at this point is is how was this thing born? Uh, The BBC made, I want to say four or five, maybe more um, little pilots. One of the pilots they made was this one. Another pilot was Young Hyacinth. And I believe that's the name of yes. the show. Highest yeah, Bouquet from uh, Keeping Up Appearances. What was she like when she was young? You know, uh, I'm watching Game of Thrones for the second time right now. And I, I do the same thing. I keep think, looking at Cersei Lannister, the queen. Um, I keep thinking, I would love to see a prequel show that explains mm. how she became who she was. You know, that could be really interesting storytelling. So, you know, there's all these things that, that people can look back into and I think audiences are hungry for that. Um, so the BBC made Young Hyacinth, uh, 2016, uh, being served. And if you go to BBC, um, if you go to uh, BritBox, they have a lot of them on there. So Google that, and you'll see that there's a lot of different show ideas. And for whatever reason, none those two at least didn't catch on. Uh, which goes back to the original way that Are You Being Served was born in the first place in 1970 or 71. It was a comedy funhouse or comedy playhouse. They just threw a lot of stuff on the wall and so, s- watched what stick stuck. And um, here we are. Um, but I don't know. Talking about the, the executives of the BBC um, thinking, you know, I think audiences in 20, 2016 uh, in the UK remember 2016 
uh, UK versus the States, uh, I still think that was the UK and probably to this day is a lot more progressive than we are in the States. Um, and I think that the executives at the BBC would probably think, probably correctly, if Mr. Humphrey's character was on the television now, not an old rerun, but a new show, would the LGBT community see that as, you know, divisive? I don't know. It's a good question. And if you're an executive using all this power and money and people and talent, you don't want to do something like that. If it was 1989 and you want to have Mr. Humphreys confirm that he's gay, okay, that's that's something. But in 2016, if you want to have somebody like kind of be campy and, and not be explicitly out. Yeah, exactly. So it's and then like the sexist jokes and the misogyny jokes like as we've had so many fabulous um, super fans on the show uh, speak at length very eloquently about this, it is a time capsule. So, so yeah, I think if we had that kind of thing on the television airwaves today, um, it would be a target. And I think whether right or wrong, I mean, probably right. Uh, I would if I watched this series and uh, and Mr. Humphreys was there and I was new to the show. I would probably be one of those people thinking this is a really bad portrayal of of gay men, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so you can't put the once you take the genie out of the bottle, you can't put it back or the toothpaste or whatever it is. But it was cool to see, you know, these actors really invite the characters, and it was a love letter to the to the fans. Um, you know, should something last forever if you really like it? I don't know. That's a philosophical question. Well, I mean, let's let's think about this. If they were to revive Are You Being Served again again, um, what what modern workplace comedies could they model it after, right? Because if you think about British workplace comedies, modern ones, I think about the original Office and the, um, the It crowd or the IT crowd, which are from the early 2000s. And even back yeah. then, the what was considered, I don't want to call it acceptable humor, but what was considered presentable humor would not fly today. And so if you're going to go very modern, um, I, I guess you'd have to like teachers or bad education, but those are very brat packy gross out man humor <laughs> that's still yeah. not acceptable to a wider audience. So I don't even know what they would model it after. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny for us to sit here and say, well, this is what the way it should be. And we control the universe. No, we don't. We're two dudes with a microphone. Speak for yourself. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It, it, we can, we can wax poetic or non poetic as long as we can about whatever. But um, it didn't get picked up. Um, we still have Are You Being Served Again, which people are quite excited about, which is a really cool thing because it's the original cast, older, and a lot of people say that that's their favorite series rather than the original series. So there's still more to unpack. But it was, what a, again, the if we complain about the Americans doing um, Beans of Boston, okay. Which well, I will all day, every day. Uh, yeah. Everyone else too. Uh, okay, well, fine. What if the BBC did it in 2016? 
wow, okay, cool. Let's see how what that looks like. So we have that. So that's really cool, right? But it's not the same. And, you know, I think the appeal of it for me is that I love how it is so out of date. And it's the 60s and 70s and 80s um, on that show. So if you do it again today and you still do it in the 70s or 80s, um, that's not so authentic. I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting to see next week um, when we start to get into Are You Being Served Australia? If the concept of being out of date is either A, present, or B, even perceptible to us Americans who, you know, all I know about Australian culture is Jim A. Heist, private school girl, and Kath and Kim. You know, so... Um, <laughs> and now the Australians are rolling their eyes in the back of their head. The Australians who know me who are listening to this are being, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, will we be able to understand what 1981 culture in Australia is like to see how far off they, there they were, about how old-fashioned they were or were not? We'll find out next week. Yeah, and what's really cool is um, we're going to focus on the last episode of Are You Being Served? Series 2, Episode 6, The Undesirable Alien, which I have never seen before, and I'm going to bet that many of the unanimous haven't seen either. Yeah, and it's it's a tricky one because it's literally a long-lost episode. So in Australia, they redid... I don't know what, two or three seasons of Are You Being Served, almost verbatim. It's like they took the scripts with them on the plane and they just shot them with slightly Australian sounding accents. And that's it, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's very yeah. strange. But for whatever reason, and we'll, we'll cover this, they did one unique script called Undesirable Alien and where it's Mr. Humphreys might get kicked out of the country to have to go back to London. And uh, it's basically like a long lost episode and it's... Are you being served? It's, it's Lloyd and Croft. It's like, it's the real thing. Thing is, you've not seen it. <laughs> and we can't put it, we, we were mabled, and oh, thank you to all of the fabulous unanimous listeners uh, who found it for us. We had a lot of help from lots of people. But right. we cannot post it online or anything, and it's very, very difficult to find. So next episode, it's going to be tricky for Mr. Jeff and I. Maybe do we act it out? Does this become a radio show? <laughs> I don't know. Like It'll be fun to see how we can do it. Right. So put your feelers out, Unanimous. Ask any of your friends who are um, in Australia or living overseas that might have access to it. And they might be able to point you to how you can watch it as well. If you know a Russian with a website that has things, maybe <laughs> ask them. They can perhaps help you find the episode Undesirable Alien. And we're also asking for help for uh, a choice for the other Australian episodes. Are we not, Mr. Jeff? That's right, Mr. Brandon. We are indeed. So uh, look on our Facebook page. Uh, we put up, I think, five or six uh, episodes that are available for the rest of Are You Being Served Australia. Uh, the one that gets the most votes is the other one that we're going to recap. And so if people want to tell us which um, episode they want us to do, <laughs> how can they get in touch with us, Mr. Brandon? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, does suit madam. Uh, write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com, or you can leave a message on the Peacock hotline, like you heard from our friend Mr. Bill today, at 662-PEACOCK, that's 
seven, I forgot the number, 662-732-2625. And don't forget to throw us some love and grab some of our merchandise at the bargain basement at imfree.threadless.com. And uh, with that, Mr. Jeff, as we always say at the end of every episode, you've all done very well. That Dust Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Do not flush paper towels, sanitary products, perfumed intimate lady wipes, medications, cotton buds, pesticides, fertilizers, motor oil, or gasoline. Dun, 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 dun.